learned by God. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. In verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Rarely do I seek to describe the burdens and struggles which come with the ministry of preaching God's word. So I beg of you this morning, grant me a little bit of liberty so that you might be able to pray more effectively for me as well. When you consider the Word of God in your own studies, when you've read and studied the doctrines of our holy Christian faith, are you not amazed about all the truths that are recorded in God's Word? Few there be outside those who have been called into the ministry of preaching God's Word, who truly understand the great task and burden which comes with preaching. <clears throat> Over the years, I have found as a pastor that one of the greatest challenges when it comes to preaching God's Word is not found in finding a text or a subject to preach upon. For beloved, there are numberless texts and countless subjects throughout God's Word that one could preach on. The challenge is not finding a divine subject or a text to preach on. Imagine your own studies in God's Word, all that He has shown you about God's Word and Him. That's not the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge, burden, and even struggle sometimes is finding that one text, that one subject out of all these that God has sovereignly and divinely ordained to nourish His people spiritually for this moment in time. That is a humongous burden. Finding a subject is no challenge. They're all wonderful and glorious in themselves. Yet God, which is the one text that your people need in this moment in time? This is, I believe, what Paul describes as being in weakness and in fear and in much trembling as a preacher. And with a great sense of being insufficient of himself. The preacher sets forth in this divinely given task to preach the word, trying to be instant in season and out of season. I'm not saying it's not a joy to be called into the ministry. There's no greater task than to preach Christ. Yet if you but knew the struggles that took place in the hearts and minds of those true preachers as they find themselves 
before this tremendous and most glorious Word of God and saying, God, I, I need you to assure me what you would have me to preach for thy people in this moment of time. And so, therefore, that being said, I think it fits very well also with our text this morning. And I hope and pray would encourage you to, as I know you already do, pray fervently for your pastor that God would grant him the grace to know, to be assured, what you need in this moment in time, in all this vast, wonderful truth of God. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The divine task Christ had appointed and called His disciples unto would be no easy task. These are His final words before He departs from that upper chamber. Of course, Chapter 17 is him committing them to prayer. But these are his final words in that upper chamber for his disciples before he would be taken away and he would be sacrificed for our sins. This puts the weight of their meaning upon our hearts and our minds. The task that he had appointed his disciples would be no easy task. Soon he would depart out of this world unto the Father which he's tried to explain to them, and they have not yet comprehended. And they would begin the ministry under which he had graciously called them. Soon they would find themselves facing the greatest opposition and hatred of the world, not for anything in themselves, but for Christ's sake. Christ knew this. And therefore, with these final words, he would seek to encourage them and remind them that though in the world you shall have tribulation, but in me you shall have peace. If you've heard the things that I've spoken unto you, and if you have then be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Because I've overcome the world. What a, an amazing truth we have hidden within these verses. These last words of Christ. For Christ assured them, For as the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If they persecuted him, he said, they will also persecute you. When it comes to persecution and tribulation and afflictions, you're not going to be spared that portion. Because as they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, I hope you're following along with me. This is not only an exhortation and a comfort spoken to the disciples, but every true child of God. The world's going to persecute you and hate you. And you're going to have tribulations in the world. You're not going to be able to overcome that in a sense to where you never have it. 
you're going to have tribulation. But I want you to know in spite of that, I promise you a peace. So be cheerful, courageous, confident. Not in yourself or your abilities, but in me, he says, because I've overcome the world. Soon they would face the harsh reality that because they were not of the world, Christ having called them out of the world, the world would hate them. Do you remember that? In your first days of Christianity, when the Lord calls you, but also the tribulations shall not disturb or destroy your peace. Did we not just sing that hymn that said, Toil and happiness are together, bond together day by day, and with each passing moment? Both are true. And every true believer can bear witness to this divine truth. The sufferings of tribulation in this present world, yet the peace we have in Christ. Every single one of us here this morning, I believe with all my heart, can bear witness to that truth. If you truly are a child of God, we can all bear witness to that truth. We are suffering tribulations in the world, but we have a peace in Christ. It's almost like Paul said, it's a treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Yet how are we to obtain this peace in Christ? Is it automatically imparted into us? Does it come by the power of positive persuasion? Is it some kind of a mystical, emotional, sensual experience? Do we sit down and just think, okay, peace, 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 peace. How do we get this peace of Christ? It's important that we understand that. And is it a peace which one obtains once? Never having to grow or increase as we meet our ever so many tribulations in this present world? Have you not already learned by experience that the peace that God gives you for today's tribulations and trials might not be sufficient for the trials and tribulations He gives you tomorrow? It grows. It strengthens. How do we get, how do we get this peace? How do we obtain this peace of which Christ speaks about? Well, Christ Himself would instruct us how we obtain this peace in the words in which He promises and speaks in verse 33. Listen to these words. These things I have spoken unto you. Listen to these things have I spoken unto you. That. He puts an emphasis on what He said. I've spoken unto you. These things have I spoken unto you. That, because of things I said unto you, you might have peace in me. Though Christ is directly referring to those things He spoke unto them in the upper chamber, admitted, there's also a reference in these words to everything Christ had spoken to them as He walked amongst men. 
Everything I've told you and spoken unto you, I've spoken them unto you that you might in me have peace. In other words, he's saying it's not some kind of a mystical thing that suddenly drops out of the heaven or some kind of sensual emotion where suddenly it floods my soul and oh, I feel so peace and fluffy and warm. Christ says, no, you're going to have peace in me because you've listened to the things I've spoken unto you. Now, I must admit, if you have some knowledge of the upper chamber discourse and some knowledge of the things Christ spoke about, as he walked amongst men, it's going to give you an advantage. But see, that's the purpose of studying the Word of God and reading it. You see, we sang it in that psalm, but the blessed man is he who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates in it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by water. Right? So the more we learn of Christ and His sayings, the more we're going to understand and enjoy His peace. We think sometimes this piece of which he speaks about comes with no labor. Let me tell you something, it comes with labor. It comes with diligence. Diligence in what? In reading the Word of God. Say with me, I don't want to get ahead of myself, and we'll discuss that here in a few moments. But if you ever heard anything I've said unto you as a finite man, it's, it's this. Don't ever put your faith, your hope, and your trust in anything but this book. Because even the greatest saints of God, though they spoke words that were very encouraging and enlightening, they will burn up in the fire of tribulation, but this will never. You've got to read this book. They testify of Him. And these truths are the only one that can withstand the fiery trials and temptations and tri temptations and trials we'll meet in this world. These words are the only ones that can stand up to that and grant us the peace while extinguishing the fiery flames and trials of our tribulations and persecutions. The promise of peace in Christ comes by what we've heard and learned of His speaking unto us. These things have I spoken unto you. That. This is why I spoke these things. That. So many people today don't believe the importance of doctrine. We're losing that in a lot of ranks of God's people. They're not paying attention to doctrine. They're not listening to doctrine. I'm surprised that so many people I know to believe in the doctrines of grace that are departing from the truths of God doing their own thing. Doing things that are contrary to doctrine. Contrary to the truth of God. Let me tell you something. There's a danger there when we talk about people departing from the faith and giving heed to seducing spirits. It's not those who are sound that are not sound it's those who once heard it be careful it's the things that Christ has spoken unto us the measure of our peace in Christ is dependent according to Christ's words here on what we have heard and know of him are you following me Book of Job, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. There's no peace if you're not acquainted with 
Him. Acquaintance is more than just a general or superficial relationship. It's an intimate acquaintance. Oh, I'm acquainted. That's an intimate. Acquaint now thyself with Him. Know Him, who He is, what He's able to do. Know His perfections. Know His character. I'm not saying that we know all these things right when we're saved, but I'm telling you we need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the more we know, the more we learn of Christ, the more we're going to experience the peace we have in Him. That in me, my person, who I am, in me, not simply, well, you know, my standing is in Christ, so I have peace. No, in me. God wants us to know why we have peace in Him. Why He is our only hope for peace. He wants us to know why. It has to be anchored on something besides our imagination and our feelings. It has to be established and anchored in the Word of God. That's why I say be careful. We are, we've entered into a generation of professing believers who are straying from this book. They don't forsake, they forsake the assembling of themselves together, thinking that they can serve God without the saint, without the church. That's departing from the truths of God. They believe they can live their own Christian life. They can believe they can be mavericks and live alone and serve Christ without a church, without the preaching, without Christian fellowship. I'm telling you, they're diverting themselves from the Word of God. The psalmist said in 119, 165, great peace. Oh, I immediately get people's attention with that. Great peace. Oh, especially in a world where there's no peace. I mean, this world needs peace more than anything right now. Isn't that what people's craving? Some kind of peace? Great peace. Not just peace. Great peace. Have they that love thy law. That love it. They cherish it. They embrace it. They feed upon it. They feast upon it. It becomes part of them. Those people are promised great peace. And nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall cause them to stumble. Why? Because they have great peace. Well, how can they get this great peace? Because they love God's law. They love His Word. Nothing shall cause them to stumble. Almost sounds like the same spirit of Christ in John chapter 16. Be of good cheer. Be confident. Be courageous. Continue going on. If I've overcome the world, I've overcome the world. Christ, beloved, will not grant a peace in ignorance. Do you know that? He'll not grant a peace. I don't believe in doctrinal regeneration. I don't believe you have to know doctrine to be born again. But I do believe once you're born again, doctrine is essential for your growing. I do believe that you can't enjoy all the comforts Christ promises us without knowing Scripture, without knowing who He is. Even though there is an element of truth you have to know before you come to uh, conversion or when you come to conversion, you don't come blindly. You've got to know who He is and what He did, at least in a sense a way that you know that He did it for you. You don't have to be a theologian. God don't call people in ignorance. What happens when you're converted? Well, you desire the sincere milk of what? The Word. 
Why? That ye may, what? Grow thereby. He doesn't grant peace in ignorance, but one which knows and is assured of who He is. These things have I spoken unto you that in Me... Matthew chapter 11, He's talking about those that are burdened and heavy laden. He said, learn of Me. Learn of Me. Who He is. What He's promised. What He's spoken unto us. Spiritual growth in, is needed in grace, according to Peter. In grace, as well as in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and in the knowledge. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you think in this lifetime that growth in knowledge and grace ever comes to an end? Ever ongoing. And even the peace of God, or the peace which is in Christ, never ending. Beloved, it has depths we have yet to learn of. And the peace that you needed when you were yet young in the Lord, in those trials you thought were overwhelming your life at the time, and they did seem overwhelming, that peace back then will not sustain you now. Now you need much more of His peace. More about Jesus would I know. More of His grace to others show. This knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ must come from the things He has spoken unto us. These things I have spoken unto you. Some people might think I'm making too much of these words, but believe me, I'm not. These things I have spoken unto you. Isn't that amazing? We're talking about Christ, the Son of God. God manifest in the flesh. He's, he's not saying this to the multitude when He fed 5,000. He's not saying it on the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying it to those who are in the upper chamber that was alone with Christ. He's saying, I've spoken these things. and It's intimate. <laughs> it's exclusive. Are you, are you listening to me? Have you, ever, have you ever known something of that when you're reading the Word of God and it's like God is speaking to you directly from His Word and it's like God is speaking directly to my heart? That's why I was so thrilled this last week with that individual I spoke of during the prayer meeting when he came up to me. I don't know how old he's in the Lord. He's not very long, but he says, you know what I learned today in the Word of God? The Word of God, he said, showed me this. The Word of God, God knew me before I was born. I'm like, that's God. Uh, beloved, I wish we would fall in love anew with this book. Because in doing so, we're going to know more about Christ. And when we know more about Christ will know more of the peace that is in Him. Because this whole text here is centered on Christ in me. Oh, in the world you're going to have tribulation. That's outward circumstances. It's going to happen to you. You're not going to be able to avoid that. That's going to happen to you. 
but in me, you have peace, but I want you to be a good cheer because again, in him, <laughs> I have overcome the world. He didn't say you've overcome. I've overcome the world. I've overcome it for you. So if you're having peace in me, you can be of good cheer. Now you're still going to have tribulation, but you're going to have peace and you have courage and confidence. <sighs> These things have I spoken unto you. I read these words last week and I thought, Lord, how often in my Christian life have you spoken to me? Not through John Gill, Arthur Pink, Charles Spurgeon. How often have you spoken to me? And when I gaze back over my life in times of need and trial and tribulation, it wasn't Gill or Pinks or Spurgeon that helped me find comfort. It was the blessed Word of God. It was in Christ. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The Lord asked His disciples. Who do they say I am? Oh, it was confusion. Well, one says you're this, one says you're that. Oh, they all say different things. And then the words of Christ come to his disciples and said, But I'm not concerned what others think. And I'm not concerned what you think others say. But what say ye that I am? You can't live in the shadow of other men. Be they as great as possible. I read a book one time. I think it was uh, Hyde, John Hyde, missionary to China, if I'm (laughs) correct, who spent hours in prayer, getting up really early in the morning, praying for hours. And I thought, now that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. I was a young Christian at the time still excited about the things of Christ. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I got up early in the morning, way before the sun rose, and I got on my face, and I started praying. Man, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I thought, man, I'm about prayed about everything I know. Must have been a long time. I got up and looked at the watch. It wasn't even 12 minutes. And I thought, how in the world could that man pray for hours upon hours? He knew of himself who Christ was. Do you realize that much of our knowledge of Christ is not based on Scripture, but what other men have said about Christ? It's very humbling if you stop for a minute and think about that. How much of our knowledge is based on what Scripture's told us and what man has told us? Think about that for a minute. I think we'll be humbled by the fact of how much we're echoing what men say rather than what God says. So this preacher tells you and encourages you, get in the book. Get in the book. Some of you this morning that don't know Christ, your problem is because you've listened so much to men, you're confused. Get in the book. There's a man that's deemed insane who can read Jeremiah and understand that God knew him before he was born. 
If you just get into the Word of God and let God speak to you and forget what all these men have told you, you'll find what you need. Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee, of me? Our Lord asked Pilate, Is this coming from you, or you're just echoing what other men told you? That's why when it concerning, especially things like spiritual things that we do, like prayer, I kind of like Gill's exhortation. It's very scriptural, biblical. When he said our prayers should echo the word of God because nothing glorifies God more than his own word. He said of all my lush and prowling words of emotion and sensualism, he said, pray the word of God. Let the Word of God feel your prayers. And you know what I've come to find out over the years? The more we read the Word of God, the more the Word of God is in us, the more our prayers do actually echo Scripture. And I hear that amongst our men as they pray, and I thank God for that. The echoing of Scripture delights my soul. I don't want to hear some man's wonderful way of you know, describing how God is good and lovely. Let me hear Scripture. Just like the singing of the Psalms, bless my heart. I'm kind of sad I didn't sing the Psalms years ago. <sighs> These things have I spoken unto you. The words Christ said in John chapter 6, The words I speak unto you, These things have I spoken unto you, They are spirit, And they are life. These are spirit, And these are life. Not men's words. These are. The measure, dear beloved, and quality of our peace in Christ is greatly dependent upon how much we know and have learned of Him. Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace. I'm glad of that. No, that will keep him in perfect. We heard of great peace. Now it's perfect, complete, full. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee. His mind is stayed. What does that mean? Fixed. His mind is full of Christ. His mind is full of the Word of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful, Right? When the Lord met Satan in his temptations, what did he use? He used the Word of God. Satan tried it. It didn't work because he corrupted it. But Christ, every out of the book of Deuteronomy, every time he used the Word of God. Why is the Word of God? It's a refuge. That will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed. It's amazing how he says the mind. Because what bothers us most of the time? It's our mind. He stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee. Acquainting ourselves with God, loving his law, our minds staying fixed on God. Beloved, all these things create in us a peace which can only be found in Christ. It's in Christ. Now, follow me with this. Christ says, I have spoken unto you. Now, listen closely. You know, I want you 
I want you to really understand what the Lord's saying here. I've spoken unto you. You call Hebrews chapter 1, where in times past God spoke by the prophets. But in that same text, he said, But God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Who is speaking through Christ? But the Father. Why in chapter 1 of John he's referred to as the Word? A word is a voice or expression of the heart. Christ is an expression of the Father's heart to us. So Christ, when he says, I've spoken to you, is basically saying, the words I'm telling you are the words my Father is giving me. When I took a glance at that, I just felt so insignificant and yet so blessed that God would speak to me through His Son. That makes you want to get into the book, this book and never get out of it. I'm so, in, I'm so encouraged every time I walk by this individual's room where I work and he's on his bed and he's just reading Scripture. He's got a concordance right here, you know, and he's looking at all the words and this and that. I heard him the other day walking down the hallway and he's telling one lady, he says, you know, God has a lot of names. Nobody knows, a lot of people don't know that, but God has different names. And I'm going, this excites me to see that in a young believer. I, I've missed that, that, that zeal, that, that freshness, that, uh, that new f love, that first love, which we so often lose. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Christ also said this in the light of those words. God has spoken to us through His Son. This is what Christ said in John chapter 12. He said, I have not spoken of myself. Again, He just told them, I've spoken unto you. God has spoken to us through His Son. In John 12, Christ says this. I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, He gave me commandment what I should say and what I should speak. So when you hear the words of Christ, I believe in Trinity, but the Lord differentiates here. He said, what you hear in the words of Christ, you hear because they're echoing the Father's words. And they're sealed and illuminated and inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is involved every time Christ speaks. All the things we have heard of men, dearly beloved, regardless of how great or how spiritual, shall perish and fade away in the fiery trials of our tribulation. May they be so encouraging and so enlightening and such a blessing. They shall fade away and burn up in the fiery trials of our tribulations. But God's Christ words won't. Only the things spoken unto us by Christ shall like the three, three Hebrew children in the flame in the furnace shall keep the fiery trials and flames of tribulation at bay. At bay. No mortal man, no mortal man nor his words can. That's why Paul says that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. while we rest in Christ as our peace. 
that in me you might have peace. What an amazing and glorious thing. Think about that, that in me you might have peace. That Christ himself, listen to me, and the words of Christ especially, that Christ himself would take the greatest interest and care in our peace. He wants us to know of this peace. And that, in light of our tribulations. It's one thing to know of peace when everything is well, but to know of peace when we are in a manifold temptations or in tribulations, to know the peace of Christ, that is amazing. The disciples on the storm and the sea, which is an illustration of the peace of God, rowing and rowing and getting nowhere and getting nowhere. You all know the story. Christ shows up and He just speaks the word. The seas are commanded. We're calm. The storm and the clouds went away. It's a picture of having peace in Christ. Now, though the storms may come, the waves may roll, the wind may howl. The house built on sand, on the rock, I mean, which is Christ, though it beats against the house, shall not fall. The one built on sand will fall. You will have tribulation. <clears throat> In the world. Your outward circumstances will be troubling. Because you belong to me. Because you're not of the world. And the world hates you. And they'll persecute you. Your outward circumstances will be tribulation. But oh, I'm going to give you a peace that passes all understanding. That keeps, Paul said in Philippians, our brother read it. That keeps military term. Militant that keeps, guards your heart and your mind. How? Through Christ Jesus. So the more we know of Christ, the more we hear the words He's spoken unto us, the more we'll know of that peace which is only found in Him. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation, no doubt. But be of good cheer. Be of courage. Be confident. Press forward. I've overcome the world. John 17, 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. What wonderful departing words of Christ to his disciples alone in that upper chamber, all the things He told them from 13, 14, 15, and 16, all those different things. I mean, He exposed their weaknesses and their frailties, told them about a new commandment, loving one another. He told them about the Holy Spirit coming. He told them about them going to desert Him. One's going to deny Him. The other one's going to betray Him. He told them all these things. And then before He sets them out, to begin the ministry, he says, but I want you to remember this. Stop and think. The things that I've spoken unto you, think about them. I spoke them unto you that you might 
Find peace in me. Not in yourself, Peter. Nobody, I will, everybody else will, but I won't. Nobody else but in me. Find it in me. I've overcome the world. And he has. In reality, dearly beloved, we're fighting a battle that's already been won. You know that? It's already been won. <laughs> it's already been decided. He's already conquered. We are more than conquerors. Again, about Christ through him who loved us. How can we be persuaded? Paul said, I was persuaded of this. I'm persuaded that all these things, all that whole list in Romans chapter 8, I'm persuaded none of these things shall sell. How can he be persuaded? Because he knew Christ. Get to know Christ. Get in this book. Love it, cherish it, pray over it, read it, meditate in it. Get back in this book. And may God grant us that first love to love and cherish it. Oh, that we might say, oh, how I love thy law. Oh, how I love thy law. And cry out with the psalmist, Lord, I shall run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Enlarge my heart. Let me run the way of the... Let me find Christ in every word and every dot, every crossing of the T. Let me find Christ. And then let me face my tribulations with cheerfulness. For our Lord has overcome the world. Amen. We are already victorious in Christ. Do you realize that? Already. Until then, may God grant us peace in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, how it not only challenges us, Lord, but Lord, it warms our hearts, Lord, to seek out thy word and read. Seek out the book of God and read it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to fall in love anew with thy word, for truly it testifies of Christ. Help us, dear God, we pray, to know something again of that first love, that zeal and that ambition and that desire and that longing, that innocency of approaching thy word with humble spirits, not knowing anything of ourselves, but open to learn, to hear what God would say unto us. Father, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. Inspire and create in us, we pray, a new hunger for thy word. We